Well, it was two weeks ago that I found myself on the edge of a severe slope in Ireland. And as I'm climbing up this mountain, there I am, a little, little face waving. As I'm climbing up this mountain on my hands and knees, climbing up over the boulders, and my friend Don is taking my picture from on the other side, I thought to myself, there is a saying that people have said that is not true, and this proves it. And it's this little saying that you would see on this little sign, and I would recommend don't buy this for someone for Christmas. It says, God will never give you more than you can handle. Because it's not true, God never said that. In fact, I would make the argument, maybe it should go like this. The sign should read this way. God will help you walk through the unthinkable. You were never meant to handle it alone. How do I know this? Well, I go to the scriptures. I go to 2 Corinthians 1 verses 8 and 9. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardships that we suffered. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. On him we have set our hope. God always gives his people more than they can handle, so we have to trust him. So we learn to trust him. Throughout this series about the Bible, every single person we're going to look at was always given more than they could handle. So whether it's the Lego people that you've seen, and hopefully you saw those on the way in, and perhaps you can see them on the way out. This is the last Sunday of Lego dioramas of the Bible age four up to 80 something. This is such a fun time this fall to talk about God's word. I've got Tammy Smith up here. She is co-teaching with me. The Bible is way too big for one person to teach by themselves. And so as we do this overview, Tammy, tell us, I know you're getting some people in place here. Tell us about this series and then lead us through some timeline things. Well, good morning, church family. I just want to thank you all for your excitement and your encouragement in this because it's uh, making me more and more excited too. So we have started a series called The Big Picture, Experiencing the Whole Story of the Bible. Last week, we kicked it off and we showed you a whole timeline of 15 significant events that are in the Bible. And we are going to start now walking through the word section by section. And so this morning, we are only going to focus on the section of the timeline that we're going to be covering. And so we only have these three events. As you can see, though, it is quite a significant amount of time. Of course, it starts with the creation of the world. We have dated this to 4000 BC, and I'm also going to give you another thing to hold. So put the globe in your right hand. You are going to have an apple. We were at Apple Hill yesterday, so this was great timing to grab an apple because this will represent, of course, the creation of Adam and Eve and their fall into sin uh, when they chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I'm Carl, and I'm going to take you through some controversial moments in this series. This is a controversial minute. So let's talk about dating, shall we? Because we can say 4,000 BC, but some people don't agree with that. They would say 4.5 billion years. So who's right? 
What should we do? Should we doubt our Bibles? Should we get upset? Should we lose relationship? I say no. I say no, and here's what we'll do. I'll explain that there's young earth creationists. They have a view. They say the earth was made in six literal 24-hour days. And then God rests. They would say, if you look at the genealogies and you do the math, this is where you get to. And they would say God's good world was perfect, and yet we had the apple, we had the sin, and then it ruined everything. It was corrupted by sin. They would also say that this idea of radiocarbon dating is not really true. That there was things like a global flood and other, other issues where it looks older than it really is. That's the young earth view. The old earth view. There are people in our midst here that believe the old earth view. They love Jesus as well. And they would say, this Hebrew word for day, yom, it doesn't have to mean day. It can mean age. It can mean a longer period of time. So perhaps it's a longer period of time. And it could be millions or billions of years in these ages. And they would say, well, Hebrew's very poetic. It, there's only 3,100 words in Hebrew. There's 4 million words in English. So, well, it's also a very poetic book, this Genesis. And they would say scientific dating is just fine. We're okay, okay with that. But they would say that God is still the creator. He's still the one that created a good, good world that was ruined and corrupted by sin. The truth is we're not going to lose relationship over things like this. But the important thing is for you not to lose faith in your Bible because people don't agree. Thanks, Tammy, so much for letting me have a minute for controversy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... 4,000 BC for dating the creation of Adam and Eve is possible if you look at all the, the genealogies. Just thinking that just the genealogies listed in the Bible are the ones, uh, are the only ones. That would be a way to date this 4,000 BC. So for those of you who would like to do the old earth, earth view, if you just put the globe over here and you know it was sometime before this, we just need to have a starting point on our timeline. So that's why we're doing the 4,000 BC. Thank you. Now, marching down our timeline. Okay, we talked about 1,900 years of time here before we get to Father Abraham. Okay, this we date about 2100 BC. Moving on down, not quite 700 more years. We have Moses. The Ten Commandments are here to represent the giving of the law, which we're going to dive into today. This is about 1440 BC. So if you think about it, From 4,000 all the way to 1440, we have like 2,600 years. So when Jesus Jesus was on the scene at zero and we're in the year 2000, that's even more time than the distance there, if that helps you. So we're covering a lot of time today. I also wanted to give some props for our props crew. The HAPS worked on creating these great ones as well as some others. And so we're very grateful for them. So thank you, HAPS. Okay, and thank you, Timeline people. You guys can go. Appreciate our volunteers. Good job, you guys. Good job. (laughs) That's quite a beard. Okay, another thing we kicked off last week was the idea that the Bible is a library, right? 
We have uh, certain sections depicted by uh, different colors here for that visual. We also told you online that we have a Bible quiz. I don't know if anyone went on and did that, but we are trying to get you to go to our website, look under the Digging Deeper resource tab, and there's a quiz you can take just to see what you already know about the Bible and the areas that you're fuzzy on and that you would like to go deeper on. And, but we are, it also, the quiz is also helpful for knowing what level you're at. If you're a beginner, an intermediate, or advanced, we're going to be using those terms as we talk through this. But we are also going to bring the quiz to you and give you the questions as they pertain to the material we're covering. So you get quiz question number one You get today. quiz questions. See how you were paying attention last week. How many books are in the Bible? How many books are in the Old Testament? And how many are in the New Testament? I'll give you a second. Think, Don't say it. See if you know the answer. And okay, you can show the answer. So there are 66 books in our Protestant Bible. We talked about that. There are 39 in the Old Testament. And right here with the cross shows where the New Testament begins. And then there are 27. Quiz question number two. Is the Bible chronological? And if not, how is it organized? I'm already hearing answers out there. I think they're think? saying no. They're saying no. I think it's they're saying chronological. no. Okay, what's the answer? It is no. not organized. It's organized by genre. genre. Doesn't mean that there aren't chronological parts of our Bible. There are, but um, it is organized by genre and it's helpful to know that. So what's a genre? It's a category, a category that has similarities. So our colors, again, are showing our genres. So where are we going to start? We're going to start at the beginning. And our first genre is law. In the law, we have the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Hey, so we're going to take our book off the shelf here, and we're going to dive in. So now we are looking specifically at this genre, and we have another quiz question. So quiz question number three is, who is credited with writing the first five books of the Bible, and what are these five books known as? And it was not Carl. <laughs> Give you a second. Okay, you can show the answer. Moses. Very good. I heard it. I heard it out there. Moses is credited for writing the first five books known as the Torah. Now, there's other words here. So, a couple words that we know this, and I'm going to be using these interchangeably, okay? So, the law can be known as the Torah. That's the Hebrew word given to it. It can also be known as the Pentateuch, which is the Greek word given to it. Penta. That should sound familiar, right? A pentagon has five sides. Pentateuch means five books. First five books of the Bible, okay? So, law, Torah, Pentateuch. The rest of the Bible has its roots in the events and the promises that happen here in these five books. It is the setup for the rest of the story, and it's where the redemption story is set in motion. We see that redemption story from that fall that we showed on the timeline. It happens by chapter 3 of the book. We're already starting to see this plan for Jesus. 
Okay, before we start going more deeply into this, we're going to talk a little bit about covenants. And these are really key for our story. So first of all, to define what a covenant is. A covenant is a formal binding agreement between two or more people to do or not do something specified. And uh, it involves promises. A good modern day example is the covenant of marriage, right? It's probably one of the closest things we have. They're promising something to someone. Um, you can also think of it as a partnership. And there are several covenants in the Bible, several. In fact, on this timeline, we're going to go into this a little bit um, more. There will be one with Noah. But we are going to focus on four significant covenants that we feel are important really for this big picture for the whole story. Okay, so the four covenants are uh, God's covenant with Abraham. He was on our timeline, right? Then we have God's covenant with the nation of Israel. This will become known as the law, which is the name of the section of our bookcase that we are in right now, right? It also will later on become known as the old covenant. I know Heather was referring to the new covenant today as we took communion. So this will later on become known as the old covenant. Okay, um, so we're going to be covering two of those actually today. Third one is God's covenant with David. And the fourth one is the new covenant uh, that Jesus brought in. And that is for whoever will follow him, right? Okay. So last week, we used the analogy of how the big picture of the Bible is like looking at the box top of a puzzle, of That's a right. jigsaw puzzle. It helps us see how all the pieces fit together. And so these four covenants, a good way of looking at them is like they are the four corners of the jigsaw puzzle. They are the anchoring points of this big story. And so I want you to keep those in mind as we move forward. So we're going to show you a Bible project video. These guys do such great work. We would definitely recommend you checking out more and more of the Bible Project stuff. They have an app you can download or you can just surf along. Uh, but take a look at this video. It's a fairly short video about this beginning genre, the law, the Torah, or sometimes it's called Tanakh. Take a look. The Torah begins with God creating and blessing a great piece of real estate, our very good world. And God entrusts it to a creature that reflects the divine image. Human, or in Hebrew, Adam. God appoints humanity to rule the world as kings and queens of creation. And the question is whether they will trust God's wisdom to discern good and evil or seize autonomy and define good and evil for themselves. But there's another creature with the humans, a mysterious snake. It's in rebellion against the creator and it dupes the humans to foolishly rebel against God's generosity. As a result, humanity is separated from its divine source of life and exiled from a garden of blessing to die in a dangerous wilderness. From there, humanity keeps spreading and redefining good and evil, and things go downhill fast. They build cities plagued by violence and oppression, all leading to the foundation of a city called Babylon, where people exalt themselves to the place of God. And now the basic plot conflict of the whole Bible is set. God wants to bless his world and rule it through humans. But now, humans are the problem. They're under the influence of evil, they're stupid and short-sighted, and headed for self-destruction. And this is all a setup for God's solution. We need a new kind of human. 
And so God promises that a new human will come who won't give in to the snake. In fact, he'll crush it and be crushed by it. From here, the story traces the promised lineage to a man and a woman, Abraham and Sarah. God entrusts them with the same divine blessing given to humanity on page one. And so they leave Babylon to a new garden-like land that God promises to give his family. What follows is the story of Abraham's family. Three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, followed by 12 sons. And our hopes are high until we read their very dysfunctional and destructive family story. They lie, cheat, nearly kill each other, not to mention the sex scandals. But what did you expect after the garden story? They're humans. Eventually, Abraham's family ends up exiled down in Egypt. All these failures of Abraham's family form a dark background for the handful of bright moments in the story. God stays committed to these people. He even makes them an eternal promise called a covenant that he will rescue and bless all humanity through them. How exactly? Isn't clear. But Abraham's family is at its best when they stop their selfish scheming and trust God's promise with radical faith. From here, the family grows. They end up enslaved in Egypt and were introduced to the Torah's other main character, Moses. God raises him up to rescue the Israelites and bring them to a mountain where they're all invited into a covenant relationship with God. They're given 613 terms of the relationship, guidelines for becoming new kinds of humans who will faithfully represent God to the world. And Moses brokers this whole deal because he's awesome. He's the ultimate prophet who speaks God's word to Israel. He's a priest who represents them before God. And he's even called a king, Israel's leader and deliverer in time of need. But as the Torah progresses, the Israelites fail big time. They violate the covenant and even Moses rebels against God. In fact, the Torah ends with Moses predicting that Israel's failure will continue as they go back into the promised land and they're going to end up in exile once again. But he has hope that God will fulfill his promise to rescue Israel. One day he will cover for their failures. He'll heal their selfish hearts so they can truly love God and live. And then Moses dies. Now, the final sentences of the Torah scroll are surprising. They zoom forward in time. And we hear from the prophetic scribes who shaped the Tanakh. They reflect back on the story of Moses from their vantage point, And they tell us that never again in Israel's history did a prophet like Moses arise. Man, I wish another prophet, priest, king like him would come along. So they're wishing for another prophet to come along, and that prophet will be Jesus. And we know that the Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. And so even here in the first five books of the Bible, we have the stage is set for the need for redemption, the need for really a better covenant. And yet right here, we're going to camp on this old covenant can you imagine having 613 different terms to your marriage? <clears throat> I don't think I could remember 10, let alone 613. But in this case, here we are in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law, the Pentateuch, the Torah. And so, Tammy, we're going to just, we're going to give a little sketch here of these books. This would be a great time to take out that piece of paper and take a few notes. And um, we really want you, no matter where you are in your learning, if you're brand new and you're learning, this is all new to you, we want you to pick up the big pieces. Yes. 
If you are maybe intermediate, you've been a Christian for a while, we want you to challenge yourself and go a little further and learn a few more things. And if you're like me, you went to Bible school and you've been a Christian a long time, it's time to go even deeper because God's word is plenty deep to dive in head first. So let's begin, start at the very beginning. Yep. <laughs> going to go, um, these ones are so significant, we're actually going to go book by book this time. And at the end of Genesis, I'm going to pause and give you an example of what your notes could look like. So some suggestions, because we don't want you to be there furiously writing it all down. We, we know that can be a lot. So I'll go over that with you afterwards. But Genesis, of course, we saw, it starts with creation, the creation of the world, the creation of Adam and Eve. We have been doing a really fun project where people created Lego displays of some of these uh, events in the Bible, one of the reasons we wanted to do this is because so many of us have these pictures of these scenes. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school and you learned these, but you don't always know where they fit. And so uh, we wanted you to take ownership of a scene and create it. Uh, So many of you did down to the the minute details. It was amazing to see, but also to know where it fits in this big picture. So to start that off, we have the creation of Adam and Eve. Yep. And go to the next slide. Yeah, because... Yes, there because we want to give credit to who did it. So we have, this one was Emily and Serena. That was so fun. I love it. <laughs> and they included our apple in there too. So we have the creation of the world, the apple. They even put the sea creatures because God did all that too, right? Air, land, sea. And so of course it starts at creation. That's our first event. The first 11 chapters of Genesis is the setup of the whole story. And there are four significant events I want you to remember. We already talked about creation and fall, our globe and our apple. We also have the flood. This is Noah's Ark and the flood, correct? And then we also have the Tower of Babel. This is where the spreading of the nations will start to happen. All in the first 11 chapters. Genesis is 50 chapters long, starting in chapter 12. A new section starts. We have the creation of the world. World. Now we're going to have a creation of what will become the nation Israel. And this is where God is going to work his redemptive plan, starting with one man. That was Abraham that we had on the timeline, our next significant um, event that we had. God makes that first covenant that we're focusing on. It's not the first covenant in the Bible, but it's the first one that we're going to go after in this overview. And that is, so it's his, um, he is making a partnership with Abraham. In that covenant, he promises descendants, many descendants to Abraham. He promises a special land. This will be the promised land, Canaan, which will later on become the nation of Israel, the the land of Israel. And he also promises that all peoples on the earth will be blessed through him. Because we want to be teaching you the skill of zooming out and seeing the big picture, but also zooming in and looking at these individual stories, we are going to focus on one story every week when we're in one of the sections. And we want you, as you watch the story, to be thinking about not only how does it fit within this section we're talking about, but also how does it fit within the whole big picture of the Bible. So Andrew, take it away. My name is Abraham. It used to be Abram, but God actually gave me a new name. Abram means father, but Abraham means father of nations. This felt really cruel to me because he was promising that he was going to actually birth nations through my wife and I, Sarah. But I got to 86 and 
still no children. And so we took matters in our own hands. And I had a child through my wife's maidservant. But that wasn't God's plan. And at 99, an angel came and said, we were going to have a son. And we laughed. And that word laugh, Yitzhak, it means Isaac. And that's what we named the son that came out of that laughter. God actually gave us a son. This child of promise that all these nations would come through. This promise, this covenant that he's made with me, that my descendants would be like the stars in the sky. It was going to come through this one boy and I treasured him to the point where I sent the other boy away. And so this child of promise, my only son now, has become the apple of my eye, the one who is most loved in the world. In fact, perhaps maybe he was beginning to take the place of the covenant maker God himself. Let me tell you the story that's found in Genesis 22. You see, God tested me. He said, Abraham... Here I am, I said. And then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. I couldn't believe that God was asking me to do what the Canaanite gods were asking their people to do, to sacrifice their children. And yet I trusted this God. I walked with him. He was my friend. And so, early the next morning, I got up. I saddled the donkey. I took with me two of the servants and my son Isaac. And I cut the wood myself for the burnt offering. And we set out for the place that God had told us about. And on the third day, I looked up and I saw the place in the distance. You can imagine the pain in my heart as I saw that mountain growing larger and larger as I moved toward it and the dread in my heart that I was going to have to plunge a knife through my son's chest because a burnt offering is a dead offering. You would kill the animal first and then sacrifice it and set fire to it. And so I told my servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. I didn't know how God was going to do it. I thought perhaps I would kill my son and he would rise from the dead. That's the kind of God that I serve. And so I said this in faith. And so I took the wood and placed it on my son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire. I carried the fire and the knife, and the two of us went on together. And Isaac spoke up and said to me, Father, he continued. I said, yes, my son. He said, the wood and the fire are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And I answered him, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of us went on together. When we reached the place that God told us about, I built the altar and arranged the wood on it, and I tied my son's hands and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. And then 
I reached out my hand and took the knife to slay my son, but the angel of the Lord called out to me from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, I replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withhold, held from me your son, your only son. And I looked up and there in the thicket was a ram stuck by its thorns. And I went over and took the lamb and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of my son. So Abraham, Abraham called that place. The Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And so Abraham moves up the mountain in faith that this God that he serves will rise, raise his son back to the, from the dead. An incredible act of faith. In the midst of this, there is a picture of Jesus. You see, there are some similarities between this situation and God sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. You see, Isaac and Jesus were both miraculously born. They were loved by their father. They were their only son. They were about the same age. I did some nerdy studying this week, and I saw a range of about age 25 to age 37 for Isaac much larger than what my flannel graphs were looking like in Sunday school. <laughs> Isaac easily can kick his dad in the shins and run away. He willingly goes to this place of sacrifice. Jesus also willingly goes to this place of sacrifice. Jesus carries his cross up to the Mount Moriah. Isaac carries the wood to the top of Mount Moriah, the very same place 2,100 years later, where Jesus will be sacrificed for us. The picture of salvation here is beautiful. The tie to covenant, the fact that God is going to work through this son and create nations was indeed God's promise. And yet he was testing Abraham's faith to reveal his faith, not so he could prove his faith. And in the midst of it, Abraham graduates with flying colors. He is a man of faith and it's credited to him as righteousness. And so I wonder what mountain is coming into view that as you move toward it, it's growing larger and larger on the horizon and it scares you to death in your life. I wonder what thing you have that he's asking you to put on the altar that you prize and you love, and perhaps even that you care for even more than God at times. What is that scary thing that's coming up in the future where you really need God? At the end, this morning, that's what we'll pray for because I believe you need to walk out of here with a gift of faith to be able to do what Abraham did. Face your mountain, climb it, sacrifice, and believe God is still good. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, so with Genesis, we had creation, fall, flood, Tower of Babel, 
Abraham, and now we have Isaac. Isaac lives. So God goes on to renew his covenant with Isaac. Isaac will go on and have a son, Jacob. God will renew his covenant with him as well. These, this is the whole second part of Genesis, and these are what become known as our patriarchs of Israel. Jacob will be renamed Israel, and the nation will come through them. So when you hear that patriarch's terms, those are the fathers of the nation. And so, yeah, we have our fun... That's the actual there. picture of them, actually. <laughs> Somebody yes. had a Polaroid camera, so you're welcome. And uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob will go on and have 12 sons. And this is where our final quiz question for the day comes in. This is for our advanced level learners. This is for all the money. Are you ready? <laughs> How do the 12 tribes of Israel relate to Jacob's 12 sons? Do they match up exactly? And if not, why? What you think about it? the Jeopardy theme song right now. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Okay, so uh, we actually have a resource online in our Digging Deeper uh, tab that explains this in greater detail, but for the big picture here, 10 of them do match up exactly. Joseph is not named uh, because his two sons are both represented as tribes. Instead, in the tribe of Levi, does not inherit the land. And this is a good setup for what is coming in Joshua next week when we'll see the dividing of the land. That's right. Okay. Joe, uh, Genesis ends with the story of Joseph. Joseph is one of Jacob's sons. And it is also um, where the Israelites, now that is Jacob's whole family, they actually have to leave their precious land, their Canaan, to go down to Egypt because there is a severe famine in the land. So this is important because this is how they end up in Egypt. Yes, and we have a there picture they are. of that, which is great. Okay, I told you at the end of Genesis, before we dive into Exodus, that I'm going to give you some suggestions on your note-taking. And this is because we want to set you up really well for success for those of you who are doing this. For those of you who are, I also wanted to mention that there is an online format. So if anyone wants to do digital version or if, um, if you're watching on the live stream, you can do that. And in where you can find these is under the Digging Deeper tab. And we also have these suggestions written out if any of you want to review this. Right. Right. Uh, it's an a interactive PDF for those of you who speak computerese, so you can just type right in your notes. And if you guys can get a binder or a folder, if you haven't already done so, we highly recommend this. We would love these notes to be a good resource for you at the end of the series. So again, if you can think about where you are with this, if you want to take the quiz and help um, determine that, you can do that. But if you are a beginner and you are walking away from Genesis and you know that God created the world, and God creates a nation which will become the nation of Israel. You are golden. Like, that is good. That's enough to have in your head, okay? If you know that already, again, we are encouraging growth here. We want everyone growing Let's in this, dig so. deeper, shall we? <laughs> if you are more intermediate, let's get down those first four events. I mentioned the creation, creation fall, fall, flood, and the Tower, Tower of Babel. Babel. And then that whole second half is about the patriarchs, patriarchs. of Israel. Mm -hmm. Who are the patriarchs? Patriarchs, you're going to hear this over and over and over throughout the rest of the story. So let's get those down. Abraham, Abraham Isaac, Isaac, and, and Jacob. Jacob. Okay, 
Good job, you guys. So if you know that, let's go even deeper. And can you, so for the advanced level learners, can you explain, do the 12 sons of Jacob line up with the 12 tribes? Sort of. And how do they differ? Where are the differences? So that you start getting to know what those different tribes are because a lot of the story is going to be about those tribes. Okay? So just, uh, we want you to keep... We want you to take notes that way. I know that sometimes, especially if you're new to this, this can feel like a fire hose is coming at you. And if you're trying to write everything down, it can be really distracting. So if you can be a little more strategic, we think that will be helpful. Yeah, the Bible will still be there later. So you can write down more stuff later. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. And then how does it end? How does Genesis end? Okay, so where did they end up? Where did I say they ended up in, at the end of Genesis? Egypt. Egypt. Okay. Correct. So we are ready for book number two of our Torah. We are getting into the Exodus now. Okay. Exodus. What does that even mean? It's not a word we use in everyday language. It is a going out. It is a mass departure. I like to remember it by the word exit. In Exodus, this is when they exit Egypt. Okay, and another significant figure is on the scene. He was also in our timeline. He was the last one we featured today, and that is Moses. And so, of course, Moses is a big deal. So we have two Lego scenes that we are going to show. And yes, Korah did the burning bush. So Moses encounters the burning bush in Exodus. God talks to him through that and he sends him back to Egypt. He's going to encounter Pharaoh, take him on. God sends the 10 plagues. We have the Passover and then he rescues his people through the crossing of the Red Sea. Of course, we have a really cool scene on that one. Love this one. Looks like the water is alive and that uh, was Bethany Musselman who did that one. Okay, they're cool, huh? I love, love these. All right, then this, okay, after the crossing of the Red Sea is when the Ten Commandments are given to Moses at Mount Sinai. This is that second covenant. Told you we were going to cover two today. So the first one was with who? Abraham, good, you're following along. Okay, second one is now through Moses, but it's with the whole nation of Israel, okay? This is now known as the law and will later on become known as the old covenant. God is making that between himself and the nation. That's 613 yes. rules. Yes, that old will be covenant. flushed out yes. throughout the rest of the Torah, which is why that whole section of the Bible is known as the law. And Mount Sinai is in the middle of the desert. They are out there camping in the middle of the desert. And it's near where he encounters a burning bush. Yes, it and is. And he goes back and gets the law there. So these mountains are, are really cool. Very to, significant. To about. Yes. Okay, in the rest of Exodus, uh, God gives the people the instructions for building the tabernacle and the people carry it out and build it. What's the tabernacle? The tabernacle is that temporary structure that the Lord dwells in amongst his people and will eventually become the temple. We have an awesome Lego creation that Deanne and Serena did. This one had tremendous detail and you can learn a lot from it. If you have not had a chance to check them out, please go out because they're here one, this is our last Sunday that they are here. Heard there was even a rope wrapped around the priest's foot cool story there if any of you want to know what that means. So thank you for taking that on. Leviticus. Leviticus. It's everyone's favorite book. <laughs> it's our third book. 
my daughter actually likes this one. So <laughs> if you want to talk to someone who likes it, talk to her. <laughs> but okay, we joke about Leviticus. I think probably many of us have started, hey, I'm going to read the Bible this year. You read Genesis, it moves along. It has a lot of great narratives, exciting First half of Exodus really is too. The second Pretty half exciting, yeah. starts getting a little slower. You hit Leviticus and you're like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> I do not understand how this applies to me in any way, shape, or form. But okay, it really helped me when I realized that Leviticus was the Levite's handbook. Who are the Levites? Okay, so the Levites, we mentioned them in our advanced slide, that they are a tribe of, so one of Jacob's sons was Levi, this becomes one of the tribes, and this was where our priests come out of, okay? And so it is the priest's handbook. So if it kind of feels like you're reading through a handbook and it's not the most exciting thing, it's because you are. <laughs> but it is going to be super important because it's, again, setting up God himself is living amongst the people. Holy God. How do you live with a holy God uh, amongst you? And this is how you do it. Yeah, and I think that the, the purity of God is seen here. Yes, yeah. How important purity is to God is really... Uh, front and center in Leviticus, even though sometimes you can kind of get a little bit lost with, wait, why are we giving two turtle doves for that sin and all that stuff? But it just shows how specific God is. Why? Because he's a holy God. He's pure and he calls us to be holy yes. just like him. Yes. And it's where we see things like rules and rituals for festivals, sacrifices, and the tabernacle rules. So that's what is being laid out in that book. Fourth book. What is the fourth book? Numbers. numbers. Okay. Numbers. In numbers, you're going to see the Israelites who are now this big nation. You have to realize they were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. So they had a lot of time to grow into this, all these, these people. It, you, in that, okay, remember through Abraham, he was given the promise of the special land, the promised land known as Canaan, which will eventually be known as, the nation, uh, as Israel. They were there. Abraham was there, but then they ended up in Egypt. How do they get back to this promised land? They're trying to get back there. So in Numbers, it starts off, they are on the edge of entering the promised land. In Numbers, we're going to see them go to the edge twice because the first time they rebel and, and they're sent on what you like to say all the time, a 40-year camping trip, right? Mm. They have to go through the wilderness, this desert wandering for 40 years. It's rough. It, it is a rough time out for the people of God. And they have to, literally, a whole generation has to die out yes. in order for them to actually go into the promised land, including Moses. And we're going to see that in a minute. Spoiler alert. And we see that God disciplines his people, but he preserves them as well. Yes. Because this next generation is now going to be ready to do so. Fun fact, there is a census taken of the people at the beginning and at the end. And that is why it's called numbers. Who knew? That's yep, something for you to know. That's why Counting the faces. Because of right. the census. <laughs> and we have a Lego creation for this. Now, this scene is uh, getting water from the rock. There's actually a couple spots Two in the Two places where it happens, right? We chose to put it here. So, Ben Feather, thank you for doing this one. We are calling this one where Moses was striking the rock to get water out of the rock, which is why he gets disqualified and dies before entering Yes, he line. was commanded to speak to the rock, and instead he gets so mad, he strikes the rock, and God says, 
is it me or is it you? You know what? You're not going into the land. Yes, which is very sad for it is very significant sad. figure. Of get Moses. to look at it, but, he but he's get, human. He too, didn't get to go in. We, we see. He was. <laughs> yes. Okay. So final book is Deuteronomy. So that's our fifth and final book of the Torah. Deuteronomy actually comes from a Greek word that means repetition. And it's because Moses is going to repeat the law to this next generation now that is allowed to go into the promised land. They need to hear it again. These are his closing final words that he wants to impart to them before he, he's already been told he's going to die, before being able to enter. And so that is that Deuteronomy is that repeating. And um, it closes, the whole Torah closes with Moses dying. We're left to wonder, are they going to enter the promised land? So you have two big characters in the Torah. You've got Abraham and you've got Moses. So if you're starting out, those would be very, very important figures to remember as you think about all of those first five books. Yeah. So for, if you're starting out too, if you can know what those first five books even are and to know those first few events on the timeline is helpful. Each Sunday, we want to give you some challenges. We are really wanting you to grow in this. And we don't want you just to do this on a Sunday. We want you thinking about this during the week. And so we're going to give you a couple challenges and we're going to give you some resources. This week, uh, our challenge is, okay, back to your notes. For those of you who are note takers, on the bottom, we put key, we, there's, what is the key thing I want to remember or review from this week? So again, to capture all levels, if you're new to this, what are you wanting to remember? If you're just refreshing this, what are you wanting to review? And we would love you to write something down and actually do it this week, okay? It's the first thing. Second thing we would love you to do, we talked about this a little bit last week, is know your books of the Bible. There are 66 of them. One of the ways that, at least for me, that works well is by learning it through a song. That is exactly what our kids are doing over in Sunday school. They are ahead of us in all of this. But it is not just for kids. We would love adults to do this as well. So if, I know I had some of you come and sing your song to me at the end of the last week, which was really fun. And you get to the Minor Prophets and you're like, ah, it's a little fuzzy there. So if you learned it at some point and can review it and recall all of that, that would be great. If you've never done it, take it on. There are two different songs under our Digging, Deepers, uh, uh, Digger, Digging Deeper tab on our website, and they are the Old Testament books and the New Testament books. So we hope that's helpful. So speaking of that tab, Digging Deeper, we already have a lot on there. If you have not checked it out, we highly recommend that you do that. But we put a few new things on there this week. We found another Bible Project video that goes over the covenants that does a really good job explaining the idea of covenant and going over those four that we brought up as those four corner pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that we're doing. There is also that handout that ex explains in a little more detail for you advanced learners the, the 12 sons of Jacob and the 12 tribes and how those relate. That's going to set you up well for success for next week as we press on into Joshua and, and our history section uh, of the Bible. And then the third thing that is on there, again, there's a place for the Sunday handouts. That's where you can find these pages for notes or the digital P interactive PDF. PDF. Mm -hmm. um, but it also has the suggestions for note-taking if you want to review that just so you can be strategic in how you do that. Next week. Next week. Okay. 
Next week we are you heading don't miss next into week. that big purple section. This the big is known as section. history. Not that we haven't already been doing history, but this is uh, separate from the giving of the law. And so it is so big, we're going to divide it into two weeks. So we will start that next week. And it gets spicy. I mean, not that we didn't have spicy stuff in the first five books, but I'm here to tell you. So our first five books are Genesis, Exodus, Exodus. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. What are they? Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. We call it the Torah or the law or the Pentateuch. It's the first genre of the Bible, but it also tells the story of how we got the world, regardless of whether you side on a young earth view or an, uh, an old earth view. But more importantly, where your life is today. Because you walked in not saying, I just need to know about the Torah. This is my deepest desire. You walked in with burdens. You walked in with mountains that are growing larger as you get closer to them. You are facing a diagnosis a financial crisis, a relationship that seems to be breaking apart. And it's really hard to imagine that God's going to meet you on the top of that mountain. And regardless of what mountain he's asking you to climb, what sacrifice he's asking you to make, or how afraid you are, God wants to meet you this morning. So if you'd stand, everybody stand up together. And then prayer folks, if you could slide out of the pew and come down front. I just have the sense that like some of you really need a touch from God today. And learning about the Bible is so fun. And believe me, we're having an absolute blast. And we're going to keep having a blast all fall as we talk about this. And I think the Bible is so important. God's word, his written word is so important. But sometimes you need his rhema word. That, that word in the moment that cuts to your situation and to your heart where God is showing you he knows where you are. He loves you. He sees what's happening in your life and he wants to give you a gift of faith. And these folks down here carry faith. And so I just, I believe that as they pray for you, you're going you're gonna to get a new gift of faith. So Tammy, would you close us in prayer? So Father, I'm so thankful for all of these dear loved ones. Thank you for our church family and thank you for your word. Lord, your word is living and active. It has the power to transform our hearts from the one of stone to those of flesh. And I thank you just for the example that we also see of a human. Today we watched Abraham step out in faith as he faced that big mountain looming and trust you. And I thank you so much that you are a promise keeper that we can always depend on. I pray you'd stretch us and grow us in your word. Help us as we discipline ourselves to be in your word, to give us that desire that keeps us going and keeps us encountering you through it. I pray that we would be in it this week and that we would trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. We'll see you next week. early.